Well, hello, and welcome to the Barefoot Comedy Show. This is where we explore the lives of top-level creatives, traveling types, and stationary types for the secrets of success and failure. How do we stay organized, healthy, married, or not married, whatever your bailiwick is? And how do we stay spiritually fulfilled? How do we steer clear of addictions, laziness, and the other compulsive endeavors that distract and try to ultimately destroy us? All while being proactive and ultimately creative at the highest level. I'm comedian Colin Molden, a B-level comedian living an A-level life, mostly at sea level and I bring you the Barefoot Comedy Show! Alright, here we are with Aaron Edwards. Uh, Edwards or Edward? Aaron Edward? Ed- Aaron Hall? Edwards Hall. Edwards Hall. Yep. Is that Edwards, like, was that the hyphenated parents? Yeah, so basically my mother's last name's Edwards. Um, my, her and my father were beefing when I was born, though. Beefing? Beefing. <laughs> and so my dad uh, I love that was like, term, you need beefing. to add hall. Yeah. And so and so she's like, I will when you pay me. And he uh, said, I do every month uh, for child support. And she wasn't feeling that. So they just never did it. And so I was like, you know, my dad's a great dad. So whenever I get married, have kids, I'll add hall. And so I did it. But I keep the Edwards because I I don't well that's who I've been most of my life. But also I don't want people to mistake me for Aaron Hall the singer. It's annoying. And oh, so, there's an Aaron Hall the singer. Yeah, every oh, okay. every yeah every black person like oh like Aaron Hall from Guy. I'm like, oh <laughs> gosh. So I keep it at Aaron Edwards Hall. It's kind of yeah. like a tribe called Quest. Got to say the whole. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are on a cruise ship together. Uh, the uh, cruise line will remain unnamed um, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, just because that's how they'd like to control their own uh, experience <laughs> online. Um, but uh, we are cruising together, and this is your first cruise ship. Uh, this is Aaron, well, this is this Aaron's. Oh, oh right, right, right. First, yeah. first, first cruise line. Mm-hmm. For, first ship on this cruise line. Yeah, yeah. You've played some others. You, you yeah. described to me that I'm oh, like, holy boy. moly, <laughs> which will definitely remain unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, that sounded gnarly. Um, I've, I've played, uh, I've played some, some tough ones, but. Um, but yeah, yours sounded way worse. Yeah, it's the worst. Where you're I like want. doing, you said you had to bark to sell tickets at the yes, show I for had the to sell tickets. So they would. <laughs> so the the hard thing about that, and I stopped. I was the comedian that was like, I'm not doing this on opening night. So you know, when everyone's embark getting on, um, embarking, they would have you right there with all the the dinner people, the the excursions. Oh yeah. Going, hey, it's my comedy oh, show. Oh my Come God. How demeaning. Yeah. So by the time the show started, they were looking like this guy. Right. Oh yeah. And so he I had to, this so I had bad. to lay <laughs> into them like several every show whenever I sold in the beginning. So it, it worked when they went onto, you know, they went out to the island, came back. Yeah. Fine. They knew who I was by then. I was introduced. At least there was a little respect. But when they yeah. had us out there selling, I had to like fight tooth and nail every audience. Uh, it brought the best out of me, but uh, Jeez, it was the challenges we go through. It's crazy. That's that's what we're here to talk about. So, Barefoot Comedy Show. The idea uh, of this whole thing is that uh, each time we speak to a different creative, like yourself, um, whether it's a traveling comedian or a stationary dancer, it doesn't matter. Stationary dancer is that a thing? <laughs> and uh, um, it doesn't matter that we all kind of we all kind of experience the same sort of challenges in today's uh, world as far as how to be successful and still live a normal life. Um, one of the th- things that, uh, you know, that we deal with is what, what we were just brought up is this, uh, what people expect from you as a performer, mm-hmm. you know, it's different. There's a sliding scale today on the show. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about addictions. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about laziness. We're going to talk about, uh, 
traveling, staying fit, staying healthy. And we're going to talk about upcoming dates. Uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, nine or no, uh, Waco, Texas. I'll be at the district, uh, silo. Uh, what is it? D- silo district comedy club, um, nine through 11 of January. And then, uh, 16 through 18, I'll be in Appleton, Wisconsin at the skyline comedy club. Nice. Uh, those are my main upcoming dates. I also have a, uh, barefoot comedy show, barefoot comedy live. You can find all this at barefootcomedy.com for the barefoot comedy live show. And that'll be taking place. Uh, that's a stand up show and podcast to raise money for Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And that'll be at the Tybee Post Theater on January 25th. So that's it for me and dates. How about you? Yes, you got dates? Gentlemen and scholars, sir. Well, I, this, this coming up cruise, I'll be doing another one in two weeks, which I can't name it, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll be, uh, I'll be in St. Thomas. Nice. Oh, uh, nice. nice area. Yeah. And then, uh, then I'll be back in Miami. I don't again. think, I don't think anybody's ever bought a it's probably rare that people are like, I'm going to get a cruise ship ticket so I can go see <laughs> Colin Mulder here in Edwards Hall <laughs> perform right. comedy for 20 minutes. That's not going to happen. So. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and so I'm doing those, but then I'm back in LA. I'll be at the Laugh Factory. Um, I saw that on your, uh, when I Googled you, you uh-huh. do a lot of Laugh Factory stuff. Yeah, you do like Laugh Chocolate Factory, Sundays and improv. Yeah. Um, comedy Union is my home club. <sighs> We talked about yeah, that. Go way that back. Joint. Shout out Enns Mitchell, man. Enns, that's, dude. If if you are in Los Angeles and you want a guaranteed funny show, not like okay, maybe if a star pops in, it's great. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed funny. Fifty forty West Pico Boulevard, right by the Roscoe's, is the Comedy Pico, Union. Yeah. Every show used to be mixed nuts. Yeah, I remember when it was mixed nuts. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a fun place to go. And yeah. then when they switched it over, Enns Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, super welcoming, open arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they opened up Mixed Nuts, man, he was always very welcoming to me. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I liked that room a lot. Um, I was going to say, uh, wasn't there another dude who was like a partner with him named Eric? Eric Fox? Is that right? Or, um, I don't know. I don't date back that far. Yeah, there was it. another dude. I'm it, sure. This guy was like, uh, he... he he looked like Rick Fox. So that's why I'm thinking Eric really? Fox, but it was like Eric something or other. And he had the greatest joke. It was when Osama bin Laden was like uh, in the news, you know? <laughs> right, right. And he goes, is it just me or does that dude look like Scottie Pippen? That's hilarious. Had you ever heard that before? No, but now that I'm like thinking about it. <laughs> he goes, like I think Scottie's that's Scottie Pippen in a turban. Yeah, Scottie Pippen attacked America. And I he was like 6'8", too, bin Laden. He was. really was. He probably had game, but they were I like, bet. you cannot play basketball. No, we already have a Scottie Pippen. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, but I'll never forget that. But that guy, I think, was either partners or booking at night for ends. Okay. Uh-huh. I, know that. I, I met him doing shows at the, oh, God, sushi place, I guess. It was called Miyagi's Oh, Miyagi's. Yeah, man. So when I got there, Miyagi's was just falling off. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got, I got in, like, the last year of it, and then it was done. Yeah. Man, I heard that place used to be like... Dude, Dublin's. We used to do Dublin's. Jay Davis booked Dublin's and people would come in there. And as much shit as people talk about um, Dane Cook, Mm -hmm. uh, I was in there, Ahmed Ahmed and Jay Davis were booking that Dublin's room. And uh, I know Ahmed Ahmed. Ahmed Ahmed is a salt of the earth, man. That dude's amazing. Do you Mm -hmm. know him? I know him, but like we're not... He's super cool. Man, is he cool. They're both cool. Yeah. But but Ahmed and Jay were booking that. And, and, uh, you know, at that time... Uh, Dane Cook had an open ticket. Right. You know, he could just go wherever he wanted. He was just popping really hard right at that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, why is he so popular? And, and uh, <laughs> you know, 
Well, people would talk trash, you know, it's like basic uh, premises or observational right, right. humor, whatever. And, <clears throat> and, uh, sort of like, uh, they were with Chris D'Elia right in the beginning where it's yeah. like, people mm-hmm. were like, oh, he's just doing a drunk girl voice, you know, screw him. He's actually a legitimate, yeah, really good comedian and he takes yeah. it very seriously. So back the fuck off. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Dane, uh, did something nobody else could do at that time. And honestly, I'm not sure I've seen anybody do it quite the same way since mm-hmm. either. Um, there's certain people that are outliers or they have a skill that's an outlying skill. Okay. And, uh, he could use volume and presence, uh, to command the energy of an audience, no matter what they were doing, which is not something Mm. most people can do. So like Mm -hmm. if you and I are performing and we hit a high note, right. And they're laughing really hard. We got to wait. There's a timing thing. You got to wait for it to kind of taper off. And then you put, maybe you put some more something on the back end of that. Everybody has a different way of like blending or doing that, you know? And what he would do was he would hit a punchline and they would, and this is a very energetic room. So they'd hit hard, they'd laugh, they'd laugh. And then, and then he'd come over with the top, you know, with another punchline, another tag, another tag. And it was the volume and the level of energy. They were hearing him and they were like able to like, like somehow get that right out of the air as, mm-hmm. as over their own laughter and explosive like response, they could hear him and they'd laugh harder and they would continue right. to laugh harder and yeah. he would crank them up like two or three times yeah. to the point where they couldn't give more, but they, but then he would save that last big punch boom. And he'd hit it yeah. and they would cheer like he was a fucking football team, dude, right, right, right. scoring. Right, it wasn't right. like a laughter. They literally cheered like he was, like he was yeah. their favorite team scoring. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And, mm-hmm. and I've never seen anybody do it since. You know who I think, uh, well, I've seen them do it. Like the guys I've seen do it, like quake, whenever he feels Earthquake, like it. Yeah. He quake, can do that. He can do it. He can um, kind of do it, huh? Um, a guy who does though, who does great with that Donnell Rollins, but they're cheating though. You're talking about doing a uh, black room, right? No, no. But, no? Donnell Rollins, Is this all? Okay. Cause any room. the energy of a black room, you can definitely no, rah, no, no, no. like Donnell Rollins, uh, Tony Roberts is a, is one of those guys who does yep. that, but Donnell Rollins, any room, he can do it white, any room, black, anytime. And then he does it for like 20 minutes straight. Like he won't stop. Like it's amazing. Oh my gosh. And it's like, I would like, I want to get to the point where I can just suck every piece of a bit out. I yeah. mean, and he like just, I mean, like to the point where the comic, me as a comic, I'm floored. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I can't breathe. When you, after you My get done watching a show hurting. like that, you spend three days deciding whether or not you want to continue right. comedy. And it's like, how is he doing yeah. I mean, he just like, I've never seen th- Donnell like really breaks. He's one, he's a guy now that's doing what, what Dane was doing. Yeah. Right? There you go. Yeah. I think at that time, um, the only, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating when I say I had never seen it because I was working whacked out Wednesdays and when the room was right, oh, you yeah. know, the energy was right. Yeah. And uh buddy or, or, or we were saying Daryl Heath would mm-hmm, come in there mm-hmm. and just light that place on fire. Yeah. Like it was nothing. And, um, and uh earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. But in a room like that where you can get the energy cohesive and together and right. explosive and you hit them with something from their childhood, from right, their right, soul right. and you do it again and again and again, that that's a different deal. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that was, uh, yeah. So I guess I have seen it, but in those crossover rooms or in that room in particular, where it was like a bunch of like, you know, people trying to be famous and right, thinking they're right. better than everybody, you know, like the Hollywood room. I would have seen that. Yeah. You'd see guys go up and they'd get laughter and yeah. it'd be, ha it'd be okay. But then Dana go up and just make it look Destroy like a black room. It. Yeah. Yeah. Which is <laughs> like, hard to do. How's that That's possible? Not, yeah. yeah. Chris yeah. does that a little bit now. Yeah. 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 Chris, I mean, he's. 
He's a beast, man. Yeah. I'm excited about the store right now. I haven't been in years, a couple years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, play, I think I played the Belly Room a few years ago when I was living in LA. And uh, I'm, I moved over to the Barrier Islands of Georgia. and uh, But I still go home, you know, and I or mm -hmm. go back and I check it out. And uh, and I kind of left right when it was starting to pop and, and Rogan was kind of cranking it back up again mm -hmm. and all those... Uh, rooms at the store were getting healthy with these really creative shows. Yeah. Yeah. There it's, it's, um, it's huge now. I mean, I, I really need to do better with the, with the store. I mean, I do the belly room from time to time. Um, but it's, you got to work to get in there, got, man. Yeah, do yeah, it though. Yeah. It's yeah, worth it. Yeah, it Cause that is right now. That's the tonight that's show. That's where everyone's coming out. Yeah. That's the tonight yeah, show. It's true. Um, let's talk about life on the road, man. So you're, yeah, you're, man. you're traveling and, um, mm -hmm. Uh, I want to know, there's some basic stuff that I want to know okay. from everybody who, tra everybody who travels as a, a creative person. Uh, one of those things is how you stay, how do you stay organized? Do you have it in your, do you have it in your, um, background? Do you have skills you learned in college? Did your mom teach you something or do you just not stay organized? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say like when it comes to organizational skills in general, I'm, I'm a C. Okay. I'm just, I'm average. I think I'm in there. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the best. Mm -mm. However, when I'm it comes scattered. to like comedy, my bookings, my time, like I'm never like I'm on time. I'm, I make sure that I do what I got to do. Um, because I look at it as basically as soon as I hit that plane, I'm working. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, right. You're in the office. Yeah. It's, it's the whole thing is because if you're not looking at it like that and you're like, ah, when I get there, you might not even make your flight, especially dealing with LAX, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. To having like TSA pre is great, you know what I mean. But that's just huge. The start, the start could go wrong if you're not, you know, organized. Like, because there's times where you, you know how it is when you're on the road, you start forgetting. Like, is this that flight or what, what city? Am, where am I going next and <sighs> yeah. stuff like that. So I just, I mean, the, the phone makes it so easy now. You just go mm -hmm. up, type in, okay, cool, and then you know, I just kind of. um I just like follow my, like the instructions given, you know, like, people have a hard time following, following instructions. instructions, like be here at this time. And this is what we're doing. Yeah. Like you'd be surprised how many guys just cannot do try to that. work outside of that. Yeah. It's like, and not even that they're trying, they just can't do it. Like, Oh, well I was eating and then I, I what? lost yeah. track of time. And I like, bro, this is, yeah. I used to, you know what helped me with that? is um as far as being on time and that mm -hmm. i've never really missed a gig i don't think i mean i, I think i've maybe in 20 years screwed up a couple times yeah um on missed that one kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah um what helped me was uh, i was a mobile mobile disc jockey for years i was a mobile disc jockey before really? i ever did comedy yeah i've never heard anyone say disc jockey mobile I disc to, jockey i had to Not? think before i realized dj, DJ. <laughs> oh right mobile dj i was a mobile dj <laughs> Disc jockey. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, yeah, I was, a, I guess now it's a digital jockey. But, but, uh, but yeah, I would do weddings, parties, all that stuff. Oh, nice. And then I coordinated different comedians. I mean, comedians at uh, different uh, DJs mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I would set them up with their events. So nice. I would do consultations with the clients and tell and find out what they needed. And then I would transfer that information to the to the DJ and sometimes they would meet with the DJ, but I tried not to do that because I didn't, that coordination was out of hand. So I would just, I had 10 people working for me. Oh, nice. So I would, um, you know, coordinate and I noticed the same thing. You know, some people just have a, a knack for being proactive about being in the next thing they got to be in. Right. And they would show up 
a little early or they would find, they just found a way I could give them the minimal amount of information and they'd just be there with bells on. Right. And then some people I, I could walk them to the car <laughs> and sit them in there on time and they'd show up late. And I'm like, what right. the fuck is wrong with you? Right. Yeah. And, uh, but that's what did it for me knowing that this wedding, this marriage, this wedding's going to happen and I got to be there yeah. and they're not waiting on me. Not and and that over and over and over for a number of years sort yeah. of made me go, okay, I, I can, I can do this. And it, and it became part of my identity. I could find, you know, I use, I was using, you said the phone makes it kind of easy. I think it kind of makes it hard Really? because yeah, I was using like Thomas guides and whatever else to get places, you know, <laughs> Tom, and, Tom. right. And then I would have to print, I would have to print up or write down in a journal, like what I was going to do, where I was going to be and right. find that stuff and coordinate it. There was like, I knew there was stuff to do and I had to do it. Right, so right. it was a chunk of time it took to coordinate where to be and when to be there and how to find it and what to, you know, mm -hmm. take a left when you take it right. And then, you know, cause there's sometimes the directions would be That's funky true. or yeah. And you'd have to get directions from yeah. a person. You couldn't just put an address in. That's true. Yeah. So actually the phone makes it easier to, uh, to do, but it also makes it easier to, uh, to procrastinate. Mm, okay. Because now you're like, ah, oh, just plug the address in. Well, what if something goes wrong? Right, you know, what right. if you got the wrong address? What if some, like yeah. I've shown up, I literally showed up for one of my one nighters one time in the wrong, on the wrong side of a state because Whoa. it had two towns with the same name. How does that happen? I know. Where it, were you? What? I what can't think it was like was Indiana this? or something. But uh, <laughs> but I literally showed up and uh, the guy's like, oh, you went to the, oh, you know, and I'm like, okay. Well, but I was, luckily I had time in between. So I was like three hours. It was a three hour drive okay. or something. And I had just enough time to get to the gig. And so the, <laughs> so the guy that just never happened before you were the first person. No, it like had, had, but no you know, these one nighter bookers you. don't give a shit. Yeah, they're like, oh. yeah. Oh yeah. That happened last week. You know, I forgot to mention it. They <laughs> right, don't give a right. fuck. Yeah. They don't care what, what our experience, but, um, for the most part, but, uh, but yeah, in that case, think about this. What if I had had an iPhone and Google maps, which I did not have at that time. Cause it just didn't happen then. Right. We didn't have that stuff. We had Th Thomas guides. Right. So I had to give myself a three hour buffer. Cause what if just there's, the case, yeah. yeah. What if the map, cause look, Google maps tells you, Oh, there's construction here and go there and go there. You're, you're always going to show up on time. If you just give yourself like a half hour window. Right. And so I, I did. So I do that that way now. But what if I had done that with a phone and, and Google maps, I'd yeah, have shown up an hour before the gig and it had been the wrong town. Yeah. Yeah. So that That's kind true. of stuff was circumvented sometimes by the old method, which now mm. it doesn't exist. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you could still do it if you wanted to. You could still show up three hours before every gig. No, you could still pull out that Atlas. <laughs> Atlas. Charge up a little time time. <laughs> Your Atlas. It was a Thomas guy. It was a map. An Atlas. It's hilarious. All right. Tanzania. Nope. Other page. <laughs> Yeah, so you stay organized uh, out of necessity because you love this. Yeah, I love it, man. And I think when you love something, like you'll do what it takes to be successful at it. You yeah, know? Um, yeah, that's that's it, man. You love it. It, it is interesting though, it's something you can't stand to do. How you will find yourself Ugh. like barely making it. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, if you're late to something, it's because you don't want to do it. Yeah, you really didn't want to do it. That's true, man. Yeah. That's deep. All right. Well, I like that. Um, how about healthy? How do you stay healthy on the road? What's your fitness regimen? I don't really. I mean, I try, <laughs> like I work out, but it, I, I need to cut back the late night snack. It's That's hard, the man. hardest thing. Cause your adrenaline's going yeah. and all that. How um, do, what's a method you know of to do it? 
because you've had to battle this once before. You were in that. You said you were doing really good, and then you got caught in that Hurricane Dorian thing yeah. where you guys were helping people, and they shut down the gym, and you're like, okay, that's fine, then I'll eat. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I gained 20 pounds. Didn't realize it until I had to do a, a, a formal event, and I was hosting, and I, I had put on my suit that I just wore two months before that and was just fine. And could not fit it. Oh, like, so man. I was, I was like, no wonder people are so uptight at these formulas because they can't breathe. <laughs> they all, I'm not the only one going through this right now. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, man. Like before, I was just try to eat just oatmeal, healthy breakfast. If you start off right, more than likely your your day will go right. So I would try to do like oatmeal, something healthy, and then just have salad for lunch, and then maybe have like the healthy snacks in between just to keep that going. And then eat at like seven seven thirty, and and really try not to eat again. And if when I do that and get a week under my belt, then I'm good. But it's just getting two days, man, without pizza, <sighs> chips, chips. That's pizza. my thing. Chips at night. Like I'll come back with a bag of chips and watch like whatever I'm watching. Yeah, like Shit's Creek or whatever. Right, right. Sit there with a bag. Of, I'll eat a whole bag of chips. Oh, yeah, man. It's uh, so hard. wake up all puffy, <laughs> all puffy, <laughs> salt. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, you get a week under your belt, meaning you like have this rhythm where you're like, oh, I can not eat, and it feels mm-hmm. fine. And exactly. then you've, uh, it's just like going to the gym. Like the first is weird. I had I had been training jujitsu and traveling kind of back and forth, and so I was like, my fitness is way out of whack. I hadn't mm-hmm. been going to the gym and lifting or any of that. And so I went in yesterday and literally I'm dropping my phone. I'm like, uh, like I'm trying to find the right, you know, like I'm not setting things down correctly or yeah. lifting them up correctly. Like I was like tripping over myself the yeah. whole workout. Wow. Cause I was so out of rhythm. Right. Yeah. And, and I was in my head about, you know, what I was doing. And, and sometimes I go, when I go right back after a while, I'll hurt myself if I go too hard, you know, like, mm, uh, yeah. if I, it's been a I've few been weeks. There. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I think like you said, it's creating a, maybe the thing is this, if you want to stay healthy on the road, maybe the real, like a really good piece of advice is just always do something, even if it's a little bit, mm-hmm. always do something to stay in the rhythm. Right, right. Um, right. whether, it, whether you're talking about fitness or diet, always do something, right. have something you're doing that affects one of both of those things. So whether it be, if it's diet, let's say you have a time that you stop eating, or let's say you have a time that you start eating, you do that kind mm-hmm. of, what do they mm-hmm. call it? Starvation or whatever. The, um, it's inter- fasting. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. Yeah, intermittent, yeah. Intermittent fasting. So, um, or you say I'm cutting out sugar or whatever, but always have something you're doing because yeah. if you don't, then you're like, Oh, whole hog, let's do right, the thing. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and then with fitness, same thing, always have something you're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do push-ups every morning or sit-ups every morning. I can't make it to the gym. So I just do my sit-ups right. and my push-ups every morning, even though it's a little bit and nothing much, just do 20. And yeah. then, then at least it's something right. and that keeps your head in there and keeps you feeling less intimidated by your own plan. You know, very true. <laughs> very true. Yeah. I don't know. Um, for me, it's like, uh, I gotta be interested in what I'm doing. That's mm-hmm. one of the things where. Um, I guess that brings us to compulsive behaviors. So how do you stay away from addiction, laziness and compulsive behaviors? Oh man, it's, uh, it's difficult. Like for me, like, so I was, uh, I had a gambling addiction. I like to say had just cause uh, I'm moving forward from it. But, um, it basically what I found out about that wasn't so much the gambling. It was a lack of faith. Like I would basically gamble to try to make up money that we didn't have. 
So it'd be like, oh, shoot, this bill's due. I don't see it coming. Well, I'm going to go do it. You know, and so I really? just be in my own way. Yeah. You go to the, to gamble to make money? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then I, and then I stopped stopped so right scary. for a year just thinking about that mm-hmm. i'm getting like chills yeah man i stopped Ugh. for a year and so then i was teaching at um at the jails right um what were you teaching i was teaching life skills so anger management addiction um and, really and so addiction teaching you were addiction actively... helped me stop no i wasn't oh, okay. doing it. and uh because i had to be accountable to these guys because criminals know you they can ah! smell it <laughs> They're like, stop mm-hmm. lying, Mr. Aaron. They had to they call know. me. Yeah, they know. And so they helped me stay accountable. And then when I did fall, I told them. And uh, probably not supposed to, but I was so authentic with them that they like, some of these dudes got breakthroughs, man. And, and hey, uh, it was amazing. Okay, stop here. Go back a little. Yeah. How do you get a gig teaching at the jails? Was that through church? What was no, your deal? No, no. So uh, it was a couple comics had, uh, they were working there. They were just subbing, right? And they, the this way, is a paid position? Yeah. The way it was described to me is, hey, man, you can come sub and all you got to do is show movies. Right? Really? So they They didn't all, know you were going to take it serious? No, I didn't know I was going to take it serious. I was like, no I'll shit. sign up for that. Yeah. So I went thinking I'm going to go show movies. They all showed movies. No problem. As soon as I got there, they were like, Heron, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And they just kept putting more and more and more. And I just kept saying yes and yes and yes and yes. Until they were like, okay, they offered me full time. And I was doing that um, for five, about five years. And so uh, I thought coming in thinking totally like, oh, I'm just going to make this extra money so that I can go back on the road and do my thing. And it turned out to be like a real like ministry, but it helped me get through a lot of my own stuff. Yeah. I I feel like I got freed in, in teaching in jail, if you will. Wow. Yeah. So you taught anger management in there? Anger management. Yep. Cause that's something I actually dealt with. Um, I went when I was like, um, 37 now. So I was like 27 or 28. Um, and I was like, just, um, I, I wasn't running around smacking hoes and nothing like that, but I, I'm, I was very argumentative, mm-hmm. um, just yelling and, you know, go out of just out of my mind. And it was like, you know, at some point, that turns into smacking hoes. Yeah. So I was like, man, let me, you saw it coming. Yeah. Let me get a hold of this. And so I went and just got counseling like, and I didn't think it worked. Um, but I really, I found out like where the anger was coming from. It was coming from like my relationship with my mom. And, um, you know, I saw some of the things my dad went through. He was divorced a few times and I didn't want to go through that. So I was like, let me do this now. And the whole time I was in the, you know, counseling i was like this dude doesn't know like uh whatever really and then i started later once i realized what it was i noticed the change and like literally it took about five or six years but like that whole like i'm going off and doing but it's gone like i mean so i was able to teach the guys like how to really get past that what was the main thing that what was the main breakthrough was there something that once you solved it in your head it you felt was, the, something lift off or what happened? Well, uh, that actually, I'll tell you about that with gambling. That happened with me with gambling. Okay, and but not, I'm curious about anger ago, management. But anger, that, yeah. what it was, was um, it was, it, it's not just a, um, it's it wasn't an epiphany, um, but it was slowly but surely. It wasn't like an overnight thing. There was no something lifted off. I just basically five years later looked back and was like, wait a minute, I don't deal with that and i'm not going crazy that doesn't bother me this doesn't wow 
Like I didn't realize it while I was going through the process, but I have all the guys with the anger management class. I would have them fill out this thing. And it, it was the, the first time I realized that I had really moved past it is when I had them fill it out and we began to talk about it. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I don't deal with this anymore. So it's basically true, false. And it's like, are you angry? Are you just simple questions? Right. And they're like, most people are like, no, no, no. These are criminals for, <laughs> for DV and all kind of stuff. Like, no, no, not me. No, no, no. And so then I ask him, I'm like, okay, so who got all no's? And there's always one idiot who <laughs> raises his hand and everybody laughs at him. And I'm like, okay, who got mostly no's? And everybody's like, yeah, me, I'm not that bad. And, and so I'm like, okay, cool. Now I want you to go on the other side of it, mark true, false. And I want you to answer these questions based upon how those that love you and are closest to you would answer them. And it gets oh, quiet. Whoa. They're like, oh. And then they do it and we come back. I'm like, okay, who got all no's? Like, no one's. <laughs> no one. And then they're like, who got mostly, whose answers changed to mostly true? And everybody's hand Everybody, goes up. Yeah. Because we give ourselves, you know, a lot of credit. But yeah. when we think about it from someone else's point of view, it's, uh, so yeah. that's the that's the jump off point. Yeah, just it's so for them you can to see it. that, and yeah. then now they can do something. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm curious with you. Was there a thing? Because you said you was uh, stuff coming from maybe a relationship with your mom. Yeah. And so yeah. So I guess I was helped when I realized that um, the way I kind of the relationship I had with my mom and my don't get me wrong, my mom was a great mother in the way that she raised me. She instilled discipline, all that kind of good stuff. Um, however, there were certain things that I didn't let go of as I was going through, like for instance, so basketball was a big deal for me. And I, I mean, I played through college, um, decided to go to LA instead of going overseas to play pro. And so it was huge. And, um, I actually kind of idolized it and didn't realize it, but you know, there was a time I was 16. I was on, uh, I was playing AAU ball. Um, what's AU? AAU is like AAU. summer ball where us, where all the scouts are coming and everything okay. more so than, you know, your actual high school ball. Okay. And so, um, I was on a, one of the top teams in the country, um, of position? that point guard okay. of that team. Oh, that's why you turned on to that Jason Kidd thing. I was yeah, saying, yeah, 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 okay, okay. Of that team, all of them went division one. One of them went pro and, and, uh, got a ring, you know? And here I am with the opportunity. He got to proposed to by another player. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> uh, he wanted to with, with the Warriors. <laughs> and so he, of oh, all of those um, guys, here I am in that mix. And I had switched schools because my mom wanted to move. Shouldn't have moved, but, you know, she wanted to move. From where to where? From a little town called Lebanon, Illinois, to Lebanon. a small town called Troy, Illinois. Oh. Uh, so we just moved 20 minutes down the road. However, at that school, the coach was taking care of me, driving me to these AAU practices, like fully taking care of me. This new school, she was going to have to do that. And basically, the coaches came all the way. They drove 45 minutes to see my mom sit down with her. And she told them, no, I couldn't play because my grades weren't good enough. She never cared about my grades. I was always like a CB student. There was nothing going on with them. She just didn't want to drive me 45 minutes. Like she was one of those, she wouldn't come to the gang. Like if it was too far, really. if it was more than 20 minutes, she'd be like, nah, I'm good. Like no kidding? if no one else is driving, I'm cool. So like the things that I was really concerned about, she wasn't. And did so she, did I she feel that. like you were, did, uh, 
man, there's so many reasons to be angry at her for that. But was one of the things that she felt like uh, maybe she didn't feel like that was a realistic goal? No, no, she she was she would be going off on me if if she came and I didn't play well. You know what I mean? So I don't think she did under I don't think she understood how one. Th- that's what I'll give her. I don't think she understood how important that was because the that's day how in day re- out of it. Yeah, that's how you get recruited. Like AU hey, okay. serious. Like had I continued to play with them, my career would have been different. However, I mean, I still wasn't going to go to the NBA. I wasn't good. Why enough. not? Just wasn't good enough. It wasn't, wasn't good enough. Why not? Uh, not quick enough. Qu- quick twitch muscles. Slow. Can't you fix that? Can't you work on that? You can work on it to a certain extent. Yeah. Okay. I, so, and again, I worked hard. You're not afraid to work. No, no, no. I worked hard right. in basketball, but I, I do it. I did as much as my knowledge. These kids now, they have every, you can go on YouTube and learn how to do so many different things mm-hmm. on the court that back then I was just like, oh, I'll just keep doing these drills because that's oh, what I know. You know, yeah. Unless someone want you have to have, the guys who make it pro, man, they had people yeah. that took an interest in what they were doing. And you were starting to see some of that, but then she blocked it. Yeah, basically. Ugh. And so Ugh, that's where the anger came from. Yeah, and I didn't know it at the time. You just, just knew like, you were angry. I didn't even know I was angry then. I was like It mm. just came out at the at certain times. Later on in life. Yeah. How much later? Um, I would say probably like mid twenties, and then one of the things was she used to, I guess, lie. But it was like, yeah, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna do that, and not do it. So I didn't really respect her word. So then when I got in relationships, I had issues if a woman would lie. She could, she could do anything, like, and I wouldn't really trip. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even if she cheated and she was honest, then I would be like, huh. You know, yeah. All right, but if you lie about just, especially even like small stuff, I would feel that almost, anger, almost especially small stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. would start going off, and I was like, "Why am I doing this? I don't even care about that." But I couldn't control it, and so then I was like, "I need to go sit down with someone." Because again, my dad had been divorced several times, four, three, just, just yeah. yeah, just didn't. <laughs> and so I was like, "I, I can't," because I was headed that way in terms of just butting heads with everyone i would find i would argue about anything oh yeah bring it on like yeah and then i was just like man i'm just ripping through people like i'm just not a good person man so i wanted to you didn't like who you were i didn't like you who could I was. recognize that wow that's that's really lucky and it was night and day like and it, I, who'd I, you sit down with um so i just i found out that there was a ca- free counseling at this church called faithful central and they it's separate from the church and uh, but it's like a thing that they have there. And I just sat with this guy and every every week and I didn't think he knew what he's talking about at all the whole time. How do you find your trigger? Um, he he didn't necessarily find it. We didn't diagnose it there, but he opened me up to it. He, basically, he was like, so um, he began to like kind of ask questions. What was your relationship? And I, I didn't I didn't really fill him because he was like super square and i'm yeah. like man because we didn't just deal with anger we dealt with like lust issues and everything i'm oh, like man right. you have no idea oh what I'm right here's the guy who says you shouldn't use your dick for nothing and you're right, like, yeah, right. I'm like i disagree right. <laughs> that's right. hilarious and so i just wanted to so ask everything him. else must be bullshit <laughs> yeah so i was like okay <laughs> Because, you know, it's it's relative. Some people are like, like oh, and then don't get me wrong. There are people who are super fly dudes, rich, and they can they have control, and they yeah. don't do it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I won't say that there's no control. However, there are people who are like, I don't understand why you can't just, you know. And I was single at the time, too, and I'm like, I just wanted to be like, dude, has a woman ever walked up to you and asked to suck your dick? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it hasn't happened to you. Has it? Then you I don't know. Then you don't know what I'm going the challenge. <laughs> May I suck your dick? May I? <laughs> Please. She, she used the word may, not can. Yeah, that's like so another it's, level. It's a different thing. With man. proper grammar. That takes it to yes. the next level. Yes. Proper grammar. <laughs> Please. And thank you. <laughs> so you. So it was hard for you to take him serious at that time in your life. You were yeah. young and you weren't clear on the fact that people can be two things at once kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And effective at both. And uh, <laughs> um, so you didn't necessarily take his word as gospel, so to speak. Right. Um, but you did open up some ideas. Right. I opened up okay. some ideas. And later on, I, I, it wasn't so much that, oh, he's right. But it was just like, okay, thank you. I, I should have appreciated him more because now you've led me to figuring out what was going on myself. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you, uh, at some point, so, so it was when you were working with the people at the jail that, that it occurred to you that that, that was the trigger. Down. Yeah. Well, no, it, before then I knew no. that was the trigger, but I, I didn't. Was there a moment um, that you realized, oh man, I'm mad at mom. You know, like when did that happen? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I do know it got worse with me and my mom before that, like we would argue and stuff. And, um, and then I just had to be like, just understand that, you know what? My mom's older now. And is probably not going to change, and I can't continue to go back forth with her. So I'll just love and respect her, no matter what. And it doesn't have to bother me or control my life because, at the end of the day, I'm still making my own decisions, doing what I need to do. Anyhow, and I know my mom loves me. You know, what I mean, she's always going to be there, always there. So just it is what it is, man. Thank you for what you did give me and those things that I didn't get. They weren't in the cards, you know, and so, yeah. so I'm, you know, I've moved on, and so now I, it's crazy because our my and then what I did was five love languages. So I was oh, yeah. reading that book and thought it was just about relationships. At the very end of this video, though, Gary, Ch Doctor Gary Chapman says, "This isn't just for your relationship with your mate. It can be used for everything." And then I realized that, and I started filling up my mom's love tank. Oh, wow. And uh, things just changed immediately, man. Like hers is uh, gifts, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I just started, you know, breaking her off a little bit, taking care of her, doing different things. And, oh, you're the best son in the world. You started speaking her language. That's yeah. how you're referring to that? Yeah. Okay, so so when you started doing things she does to show love, then then that helped a then lot. It helped. And, and then, so what it oh, did man, was it, I was weird. like, all right, I don't have to argue. Now I can just listen. And even if I, if I don't agree, I don't say anything. Cause it's just going to be an argument. Like I don't need to prove my point. It's my mom. Okay, mom. Yeah, there we go. All right. Love you. Okay. And then I just move forward, man. And she's, gonna be who she is i am who i'm not perfect you know i got my things too and so once you something. eliminated that uh that visceral reaction to your mm -hmm. own anger did then you had said to me you felt this power in you where you're like oh man i could do anything <laughs> right. and then yeah we talked about this um and that that almost that almost uh i mean as much as it helped you uh -huh. it almost hurt you because it put you in peril it put you in these situations you couldn't you overshot yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could not do that. that but honestly, I don't think the the getting over the anger had anything to do with um, different decisions I made. Because yeah. I didn't even, again, I didn't know until I was halfway through my marriage. Like, I didn't know that I was 
like, I guess, healed of this anger stuff until I did that survey with the guys for the first time. And you Cause saw then it. I was like, oh, because I used to be all yeses. And that's what I told him. Like, you were in jail. I've never been to jail, but I was all trues. Yeah. And you guys. Like, some, you were, ang- like you're tri- you were a- angry. Yeah, I was angry, but I, it was just, it was just subtle and only came out when these certain things would happen. So no yeah. one knew except for whoever I was dating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and so I told him, man, there's hope because look, it, it took me about five years, five to six years, but I don't deal with any of this stuff anymore. Oh man. They and probably saw that one. Oh, what if I didn't have to deal with that? How would that feel? Yeah. Did you feel like you got through to a lot of people? Yeah, man, it was a blessing. It Whoa, was crazy. That's but so they cool. got through to me too. Like I would get, I received still to this day, like emails, um, they'll hit me up on the gram when they get out. Like, man, thank you so much. I saw a guy out. I seen a couple guys, but they'll tell me something that I said that I don't even remember. I was just flowing. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, and they were like really touched by it and they remembered and they utilize it. And certain girls, this one girl, um, cause I taught the girls for like nine months. I couldn't believe it, man. She, so basically when I met her, she's there, she was kicking. Right. Mm-hmm. And she used to just be like, just sitting there, like not paying attention, um, real negative. And she would say, what was she kicking? Do you know? uh, I think it was heroin. Okay. But she told me one day she was like, I mean, look, as soon as I get out, I go straight back to it. Like that night. Like I don't, there's, she had no other plan, no other plan. (laughs) And then she would like, just be just kind of defying in class. But I wasn't, I was like, all right, you know, that's fine. I would allow them to be who they were. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like on some prideful, like, you know, unless they really tried to get at me, then you have to check them because in jail, it's all about respect. Mm -hmm. But I would allow them to be who they were. And she started slowly kind of listening and like, just before she got out, she started asking questions. And I was like, okay. And um, and then she got out, and I was like, and she was one that I was like, ah, she'll probably be back. You know, and you, you don't want to think that, but in your mind, and you're dealing with them yeah, every day. Yeah, be realistic. You're like, nah. She hits me like three months later, like, hey, uh, Mr. Aaron, just wanted to let you know, I've been out now for three months, clean and sober. And she's like, you know, I got my kids back. All this stuff is happening, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And I couldn't believe it, man. Because she's never, like, left and, like, actually not gotten high. Wow. I was just like. And you had a role in that. Yeah, it was just crazy. Wow. It brings chills even now to think about, you know, all of them. So, man. It's a real thing that I want to continue, you know, with. You do still do that? I don't still do it, but I'm, I want to go back. I know a couple, I have a couple ends yeah. to just be able to donate my time to it. What ended and, it? When did you stop and why? Uh, well, basically they laid us off. They laid me off. And, um, but it was, it was time because I needed to get really back into comedy full swing and everything. Cause there's a, now I feel like that was a, um, you know, that was the micro version of, of what needs to happen in a macro version for, you know, the country and different things that we're called to do, like going around, giving people joy and all this stuff. That was like training ground. And I want to do it in a much bigger scale. So, um, I got You're laid talking off. about doing seminar, like doing like yeah, a TED talk like or seminar. Or yeah, like that. that along with my comedy. So it's like, kind of like three things, like ministry, motivation, comedy. And that's yeah. kind of how I, I, I kind of intertwine it all. Yeah, man. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, all right. So that, well, you mentioned in gambling and you said you would 
let yeah. us in on what was it that the the moment for you so, with gambling? With gambling, man, and it actually wasn't that long ago because I kind of went over the edge. A lot was going on this summer, and so this summer, like I spent, I lost like thirteen hundred. Which is is I've never lost more than five hundred. Yeah, and you know what happens is like if you go to what a, were you playing? Uh, blackjack. Okay. Uh, so what happened? I had quit, and so one of my students ah. told me a way to win, and actually it's it's true. It works. It works. Yeah. I won like twelve times straight. Oh. The problem is that's so enabling. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> pro- the problem is that's what happened to Norm Macdonald. Oh really? Yeah, he walked into a casino and and dropped some money one time. A bunch of people from Santa Ana were like, "Yeah, just go in and just do it." And he just and he had a bunch of money, dropped yeah. a bunch of money, won a hundred thousand dollars, and you chase that fucking Forever. dragon for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah but th- so this is actually a, a standard. Like it works. Like and actually, if you do it right, you you almost can't lose because it's a numbers thing. But the problem with a person with a compulsive um, you know, mindset is yeah. that when you lose, like if you lose, like because you, and if you lost, it's because you didn't follow the rules. So like I took in not enough money thinking like, well, I'll get it. Once I started lose, once I lost that not enough money, then I started trying to get it back. <sighs> and I started trying to get it back for a month. And then I just went over the deep end, lost 1300. Um, and um, I mean, in all I lost like 3,500 um, over my, you know, over the last six or seven years. Um, and some gamblers will be like, so what? Dude? So what? And, and Lost that so in the, hand. the problem I have with like the GA and stuff like that. And the I did GA, go to what's the GA? gambler anonymous. Oh, right, I went, yeah. I went uh, a couple times. I hated all of them except for one group. Cause they weren't dealing with the amount they were dealing with what's really going on with you. Yeah, and that, it, it, so that yeah. opened up something for me. Um, and that they were welcoming no matter what. They didn't look down at because three thirty five hundred turns into thirty five thousand. Well, not to mention, 000, yeah, if it's know? your only thirty five hundred, that's yeah. a lot more than thirty five hundred. If you have a hundred thousand in the bank, exactly. And so, um, what it was is I realized, um, and I, I mean, I just basically this was through prayer, man, and really just meditating on it, and like certain things i i'm under the belief that if you really true when you are really tired of yourself and you give it to god then he will take it otherwise it's yours you mm-hmm. you have your own choice you can do whatever you want but i got tired and i was like and i realized man it the gambling was just the vehicle to my lack of faith and my lack of faith was that i got to take care of all this stuff I got to do it my way because you, I can't depend on anyone else or you to help me. So I'm going to do it all on my own. And once I realized I had a faith problem, which was like, cause every, I'll tell you something crazy. Wow. Every time I would go lose money, the amount of money that I needed would come. Oh really? Sometimes. And when God was really trying to get at me, it would come down to the dollar and cents amount. Oh, whoa. Knowing yeah. like I like I'm telling like checks yeah. for like eight hundred thirty dollars and thirty two cents, which is yeah. exactly what I just to be like, um, oh hello, like, yeah, this was gonna happen. This was gonna happen for you, yeah. but you and decided now you just, to do it your own yeah. way. And when I realized that, I never like I felt it lit. Like I felt it lift. I got down and I prayed and I was like, God, like first of all, I just like repent for my lack of faith. 
Like the gambling is secondary. I see what you're saying. So you were like, you were doing that because you were saying to your God, mm -hmm. this is, this is, I don't need you or, or I don't, I'm not depending on you. Yeah. I'm, like I'm I, not a part of this. Or I feel like I can't because I'm not, I'm fearful. Yeah. And, and really, man, it was, it was, had you always had faith before that. Yeah, but you know our faith is displaced sometimes. Like so you can have faith in, yeah. um, we have faith in this chair because we know it's 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 there. It's gonna sit no matter what. But you know when we see something new, you know we get in planes all the time. You and I, right? Yeah, yeah. But if they're like, hey guys, this is the first first flight for uh, for this plane. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but we have faith in the ones that have been going twenty years because nothing has happened. There's been no incidents, and so and so uh, incident, and so it's like, what is your level of faith that it's like your kids, dude? Like you'll never let your kids go hungry, no, right? And so for me, my belief in God is that if He's my Father, like He'll never let me go hungry. But if I, tr but you get tested with that, like, do you truly believe that when you don't have money in your account? Do you believe I'm going to take care of you? And I decide. I made a decision, a solid decision, to say, I trust now that that not only have I seen it come, but that you'll take care of me. And I let it go. Like it was the first time I ever did it. So this the, that was one of my questions: How do you stay spiritually fulfilled if that's your thing? Like mm -hmm. if you are a spiritual person, how do you stay spiritually fulfilled? And it actually feeds the uh, the other one, which is how do you steer clear of addictions, laziness, and compulsive behaviors? Mm -hmm. So the, uh, those two things are one thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You use well, not Spir use one to, to eliminate the other, but they they just can't. It's sort of like without. Yeah, it's sort of like how I how I got over some of my addictive or compulsive behaviors mm -hmm. was to put a different addiction inside of my body that couldn't exist in the same body. Mm. So like switched addictions or like, yes, but okay. it was uh, healthy. Okay. It was, I would call it an addiction because it did take away from, I had to be compulsive about it. Got you. Um, in order for it to push out the other stuff I was smoking and drinking and you know, yeah. all this for a number of years. And one of the things I did to eliminate it was uh, I started bicycling because I knew mm. I, it's such a high cardio exercise yeah. and I love the feel of it. I love the silence of the, of the, of mm. you're on a road mm -hmm. bike and the feeling the clarity. I love that Cl cleanly. It's clean and organized and moves and it's just, you're out there and you're in the world and it's in nature. And, yeah. you know, so I would carry these things with me, these bikes, these road bikes. And I would, uh, I would, I would get one. I worked super hard just to get one that I could ride. And, um, and I rode it all the time. I was obsessive about it. Mm. And in order to do that, then I couldn't smoke and drink and do that. Mm. So I okay. just got rid of the other thing. And then I started lifting and getting into fitness and, and then I got into jujitsu and then that took, but there's always something living in my body that keeps those other things at bay. Nice. Okay. Yeah. For me, that's my spirituality, gotcha. I guess. I mean, mm -hmm. I also uh, meditate and study the core tenets of Buddhism and, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I, I, go in and out of those with less or more commitment of time. But I see the connection between the teachings of Jesus and the spirituality of Christianity mm -hmm. and Buddhism. Those things are so connected. They're so, so much alike. Yeah. Meditation is, is universal. Yeah. And we don't, um, and I, I need to do better with meditation myself in, in, the, in this East, like in this Western world society that we live in. Um, we're so inundated with so many things that it makes it difficult for you to really meditate. Like you're mm -hmm. so, your 
minds pulled everywhere. And so we look at it, especially Christianity, um, for lack of a better term, because actually Jesus never told us to be Christians, but that's besides the point. It's never what? Be, never said to be Christians. That's basically right. something the Romans threw right. on them is yeah. like, is like a slang term right. for making fun of them. But, uh, but we look at things like, oh, meditation. No, that's Buddha. No, it's not. Like Jesus it's prayer. said pray and meditate. You yeah. will find prayer and meditation together. I was describing Buddhist you know, meditation to, uh, to uh, a woman who's a Mormon and, uh, and that used to be a neighbor of ours in mm-hmm. California. And she goes, that's what I do every morning. It's, but it's prayer. Well, I pray, but it's the same thing. Cause I was describing how I met, mm-hmm. how, how do I execute meditation and like, how do I keep my m- mind focused on these certain things or whatever? Um, kind of the, the, the hard tax of it, you know, the yeah. P's and Q's of meditation. And she's like, I use some of those same things in prayer. <laughs> yeah. But prayer and med- prayer is separate from meditation though. Okay. So it's like, you know, prayer is the, the, um, audible or inside, you know, communication with God. But med- meditation is the, you sitting in silence, you know, with emptying yourself, your mind, emptying your mind with God. And so what, again, Western, you're saying they're we two get separate it, things, two completely. Different things, oh, okay. man, but they work together. Yeah. So that's why it can seem like, but most people, it's just like in a relationship, right? Prayer. Like a lot of times it's just, you be like, Hey God, I need this. Blah, blah, blah. You, got, you know, that person that they just talk yeah. and they never listen. And that's why a lot of times we don't get answers because we don't meditate. So prayer listen. is to talk and meditation is to listen. If it, yeah, to break it down is simple. Uh, okay, like, I get that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, uh, the other thing is, um, how do you? Uh, uh, what do you do to remain uh, proactive and ultimately creative? Like, what's your? How do, is there a trick you use, or do you find yourself ebbing and flowing? Uh, yeah, is that a goal? It's rough for me. Um, it, it, it has been. Like and even before, because right now, like you and I talked about uh, going through some marriage stuff, man. And so it's been tough there. But I was thinking back, I was like, even before then, it was difficult for me because I'm having I'm learning now to let go of the past. And it sounds like way deeper than it should. But me thinking about yesterday, I didn't do what I said I was going to do keeps me from being proactive today because then I just dwell on, ah, I met, ah, I didn't do it. What was me? Ugh. And then yeah, I don't get to it. You did something today, actually, that I've been doing a lot over the last couple of years that I feel like has been, has led to any successes I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned to you Duolingo and you're like, oh yeah, Duolingo. I was doing that. And then I kind of dropped off and, right. and then you were like, man, I got to get back on that. Mm-hmm. And then you went straight back to your room and you did a Duolingo exercise. Yeah. Even though you had other stuff to do, you were like, no, I'm going to do one now. Right. I'm not going to put this off till later. I'm doing it now because this is the thought I'm having and I need to do this. Yeah. And that broke that broke that, um, that chain of yeah. inaction. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, that's the thing that keeps us in the game. Yeah. And then, um, I guess, so that being said, how, what percentage of your, of your business, mm-hmm. uh, or what percentage of your time would you say as a creative person is, is proactive and what percentage is yeah. kind of P's and Q's, uh, kind of the work of it, writing and that kind of thing. Um, I would say it's, uh, it, with, it depends. It depends. It's like ebbs and flows and it shouldn't be, it should just be going hard 
no matter what. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think it, it should have a structure to it. Well, yeah, so structure, like you're saying, yeah. But I, what I mean is, it when I say ebbs and flows, it shouldn't have anything to do based on like the tangible momentum that I'm seeing. Because you know, like in Hollywood, it's like, okay, yeah, I got a couple meetings now. I got this, and so then you're like working, 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 focused on that. But you have to be working, working, working when you have no meetings. And I can't yeah. say that I've done that because I'm again thinking about the past, thinking about my marriage, thinking about all yeah. this stuff. And it's holding me like the past, I would say probably nine months, man. So like just even just meeting you yesterday, I've, I've gotten a lot from it because we've been talking about yeah. some, some things that I've been thinking and haven't been doing. And so, and I've been talking about it with my buddies too. And it's there, you know, and I just need to, sometimes you need that swift kick, man. It's like, Hey, just do it. Like Nike, just do it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a, a good example um, for me uh, as far as that goes was um, as far as being proactive, mm -hmm. um, I would, um, uh, I would always uh, like, instead of, you know, so I accidentally did it. So I didn't, instead of like, um, intentionally being proactive, mm -hmm. I kind of lucked out on certain things. And then now that I recognize what I did that was right, I can recreate that going right. forward. And what it was, was, um, because of the way technology affects what we do, mm -hmm. uh, there's an impact on how we are proactive. So, uh, for example, what we're doing here couldn't have been done two years ago the same way. Uh, right, right. podcasting at a high level like this, super easy, carrying it with you, doing all that stuff right. and, uh, putting it up to the cloud, having lots of people, you know, available to reach it and then learning how, of course, to reach those people. This is all something that's, that's a big part of what we do, but relatively new. Right. Um, I couldn't have even put this in my mind six years ago the same way. Um, but I'm just riding this wave of trying to um, create in that proactive way where it's like, what's next, you know, what's yeah. really next, not just this, but what's really next. Mm. Um, for example, this is what happened to me. I, I, as a comedian, I was like doing clubs and whatever and making a little money. And then, um, and I, and I kind of had some residuals coming in from like, a uh, from XM Sirius radio okay. from an album or two. And, and, uh, I wasn't really managing that. Um, and I get a little check every quarter. Right. And then, um, and then I got, uh, quite a few years ago, maybe eight or nine years ago, uh, I got a, oh man, maybe more than that. Um, I got a showcase for, I don't even know how this happened, but I, I got a showcase for a college agent and, okay. uh, or somebody said, Hey, let me put you in touch with my college agent. And so they did. And then I pursued it as a thing, like a dog with a bone. I'm like, right. I'm going to get with them. And so I did. And it was like the, at that time, one of the top agencies and I got, uh, a couple of what was called APCAs, which are the mm -hmm. lower level NACAs. Yep. And yeah, and it was easier it. to get in, get yep. them, got 25 gigs. I like hit it hard. And I was doing these tours of like, you know, whatever I was getting 1200 bucks a gig or whatever. Right. And I was doing like seven or eight gigs a week and you know, two a day sometimes and mm -hmm. driving all over hell and back. And yep. I get these big ass checks I never got before. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. And so I could have easily just kept pursuing that. Right. But then somebody said, Hey, cruise ships, you got to check out cruise ships. And I was like, okay. So I checked out cruise ships and then and, uh, I did a showcase and that worked out really well for me and they liked me. So I was like, Oh great. Well, I'm going to do all these cruise ships. So I started booking those kind of on the tail end of the college market instead of pursuing the college market harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, because here's the thing, I'm a little older and I, and I was already seeing that there was kind of a door closing on that right, right. and it's not sustainable at a long term thing in right. a long term way. Um, 
now maybe I saw that and made a decision or maybe it just happened, right. but either way it was perfect timing. And as I got the cruise ships in, in line, then they wanted me all the time. And right. then I went, wait a second. And I had this aversion to putting all my ducks in that row or mm -hmm. uh, eggs in that basket, ducks in the row, eggs in a basket. Eggs in the basket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to have only one thing because what if that one thing just says, Oh, you know what? We don't need you now. And right. that's that. And that's Plus, it. what about these other people? Like these comedy clubs still wanted me this, uh, mm -hmm. some of the, I still got to work to try to get into the better clubs. So I was constantly trying to remember, Oh yeah, I still had a goal in the clubs. Keep that going. I still right. have these C rooms or whatever that want me. I'm not sure I'm making much more money doing these other things, but I'm not above those rooms. Right. And I'm going to go back right. and I'm going right. to need them. So treat them with respect. Give right. them their, give them their date, their date one day to year. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then my friend, uh, Mark Eddy, a corporate comedian was like, okay. I'm quitting comedy. I can't make any money. Corporates. I'm getting to 2000 or whatever it was a, a date. And it's just not working like I wanted to. And, uh, and then he told his agent there and his, that, and his agent was like, how much you want? And he told him, it's like, I don't know, 10, 15,000. He goes, good. Let's just ask for that. So they cranked it up. They started getting, kept getting dates, maybe yeah. even more because we were like valued, you know, he yeah. valued what he was doing. And I was like, wow, that can happen. So I saw corporates and I'm like, I got to pursue corporates. So I started pursuing corporates. I started getting those as well as the, cause I know the cruise ship thing is, I mean, mm -hmm. I got three kids. I'm yeah. gone for a week at a time. That's a big problem. Yeah. So corporates. So I started putting, so I'm populating. I can't, you know, really you can only do one or two of those things at a time, yeah. but I'm trying to do all of them at one time because mm -hmm. I have to, because you don't want all your eggs in one basket. Right. And then also, um, I see what the next thing is. I'm creating content. So if I'm creating content, how do I use these things to create content? I meet more people doing cruise ships. I, I can mm -hmm. um, be home more doing corporates. So I look at those chunks of time and I use them to create content. So when I got to the Barrier Islands of Georgia and I started living a real life so that mm -hmm. I could create real material, which by the way, that was a reaction to developing these other legs of comedy and, and trying to adapt to new environments for six or seven years. Right. I barely wrote a joke. Wow. I was just using all the stuff I'd been, you know, I'm adapting. I was right. adapting. Right. So I couldn't try new material, you know, comfortably. So I lost track of my act, what I was doing, my stand up, mm. my art. And so I was like, man, this is crazy. I'm not even creating any new material. Right. Right. And then my wife wanted to move out of LA and I wanted to move out of LA and we're like, let's just do this. Let's and do yeah. So we moved to the Barrier Islands of Georgia and started living like a real life. And I started writing and creating these fundraisers there. And, but, but always being like, like almost like not sabotaging, but like, but like breaking out of the thing I'm in right. to try to do something new because that's where we're headed. You got to be proactive. So I feel like after all that experience, I can look back at all that and see the success of it and the failure of it and say, um, you know, this was a good idea. This was not a good idea, but how can I structure X amount of proactive stuff uh -huh. and X amount of not reactive, but like regular work, um, and, and then make that career, make, make my career not only function at a high level right. on the day to day, but then move forward as well into a new arena. Yeah. When, when that new arena, uh, reveals itself, I'm already there kind of. Right. Right. See what that's I mean? Awesome. Man. Yeah. So that's a real challenge. It is. I think for creatives, that's a real challenge because we don't, we got to play, we got to play psychic. 
Yeah. Half the time. Like what, yeah. how much of this stuff is going to play out? How much of it is going to move into something else? Mm-hmm. Is it going to morph? What's the new kind of feeling we're feeling like in, in digital performance? And, uh, but I think a lot of it is like what, uh, what you would call faith where, uh, you know, where, you know, you would say God's hand, which I'm not, as you probably picked up on, I don't, I'm not religious yeah. in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something at work where there's this flow happening and, and it, it, I'm lucky, man. I'm very yeah. lucky in that way that I've, I keep my door open and I keep, and I, and it keeps happening where like I had an album hit right. and you know, I did a dry bar special and this is all through like being kind and thoughtful and helpful with my friends and, and people in the industry right. that help that give me these opportunities. And then these opportunities work out very well yeah. and it's been great. Well, I mean, I th- here's the thing. I think um, while I believe that God has a hand in, in, you know, everyone's life, I believe there's also universal laws that he laid down. And, and this is like, you know, you can open the Bible. This is biblical. It's all in there. But it's like, if you do this, you will attain this. Like, it doesn't matter. You could be a mass criminal, you know what I mean? And if does now, because you reap what you sow, right, <laughs> it'll come back on you. But any drug dealer, those are the hardest working people there are. And they, yeah. you know what I mean? It, and that's why their business flourishes. But then there's the principle of reaping and sowing. And so I think really what it is and what you were saying was keeping your door open, which I didn't do well at the first part. And, and part of it, man, I... I came into comedy. I've been doing it 11 years at the tail end of the way it worked for 50 years. Right. Whereas it was simply host feature headline, (laughs) right? You're good enough to be a host. Now you're good enough to be a feature. Now enough people know you to, to be a headliner. And so when this like whole Instagram and digital world popped, I was like your bit. I was like, ah, that Instagram, that'll, that'll yeah, never yeah. work out. All this. And I had opportunities to, Aaron, come do all deaf digital with us. Come do that. We want you. Yeah. Ah, you, you guys are waste even, your time. You're you, trying to get in. You guys there. aren't even good comics. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. What are you talking about? Like I'm trying to, man, you were wrong. Wrong. Yeah. And now I'm playing catch up. So I think it's being flexible yeah. to ride the wave. That like you said, like okay, is this a new wave? I'm flexible. I'm open to to just ride it and see where it goes, and I'm gonna give it my all. And I didn't do that. I've learned since then, and now I'm learning slowly, but surely. Like okay, I gotta do this, even though I hate it. But everyone's job, like there's something that you don't like to do. You know what I mean? Pilots don't love to fly. They don't like to take tests yeah. every other week. You know what I mean? But like there's something that you have to do, and this is the digital world is is it man you have to get into it and so i'm trying i'm trying to do a lot better than that yeah there's uh there's a couple of comics that i remember early on that like showed me that and one of them was bill dwyer bill dwyer oh, bill dwyer you know him well no i i, I know his daughter battle bots beth. oh do you i think it's his daughter beth dwyer but um, she a comedian yeah oh no kidding yeah he uh he was really cool to me but also like he just was always he always acted like he was new at comedy he'd never That's acted awesome. like he was yeah. you know the guy that had been doing it longer than everybody yeah. in the room he just always acted like he was fresh and new there and coming out with you know and like trying these new things and you know uh jimmy Dore is a good example of a guy that just embraced this new technology he was like yeah let's jump in and do that let's try this let's get in here and do that yeah you know and he's been very successful with it uh, awesome. for that reason yeah 
And then we're going to talk about uh, touring with Quake here in a minute because you, you toured with, with Quake. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But first, I want to do a little drop. Well, let me see if I got the right one here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So um, Post Roll Podcast is the other podcast I do every Monday. It drops every Monday, postrollpodcast.com. You can find that at um, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. I'm going to play you a little drop here, get a little taste of it. This is me and uh, Paul Gableman and my, my co-host, uh, Jules Nuclear, after a roll. And uh, this is from uh, episode three. And I get a, just there's a lot of jujitsu talk, but then there's a lot of this. Because you're, you're already... You know, so far ahead in that way. Like you're thinking da da da, and yeah. I'm thinking da. <laughs> like playing four dimensional chess, we're playing checkers over here. Yeah, yeah, really, just tiddlywinks. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I Definitely. love that word so much. By the way, guys, tiddlywinks. 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 I used to troll my friends with that word all the time. I'm like, we're not playing tiddlywinks here, guys. Like, oh, nice. I just say it yeah. all the time. Fine. Well, bring it back. Uh, what you don't know is that there is a an actual uh, game. There's a league of tiddlywinks. Tiddlywinkers. Really? They could fill. Arenas. Hey, no. Uh, no. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some random sports. There's Dude, a Japan, cornhole. Yeah. A cornhole league. Yeah. I need a professional tiddly winker. You know that exists in Asia. But there's yes. like some Sounds arena, like... 20,000 people. There's like one dude, well, two dudes in the middle playing tiddly winks. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. <laughs> so I was like, what do you do like, for <laughs> a living? It's totally silent. And then, <laughs> <laughs> tiddly winks. Pink. Pink. <laughs> Pronoia. Pronoia is when you think only good things are happening for you. Really? Yeah. So it's paranoia like a, is when, when you think bad things yeah. are happening. Are you serious? Yeah, pronoia is a thing. Pronoia. Pronoia. Not paranoia, but pro. So did, almost did you Google like, that? I know it. It's in my head it's right now. It's almost like a grandeur. Almost. Right? Like, yeah. uh, what is it? Delusions of grandeur? Yeah, yeah delusions of grandeur. Like, yeah. you think things are out for you. Yeah, let me look. Which is great. I let mean, me look this up. It's great to be pronoid versus paranoid. Pronoid. Pronoid. I'm pronoid as fuck <laughs> right now. <laughs> Get my black belt. I'm gonna get that black belt, baby. That's what I'm gonna. I'm going for it. That's what I'm gonna say now when people ask me how I'm doing. I'm pro noid. Pro noid. I'm doing. I'm pretty pro noid right now. It yeah. sounds, sounds like you're irked. Yeah. I'm pro noid. Pro noid. Here we go. I'm yeah, looking it, it up right now. Pro noia yeah. is a neologism coined to describe a state of mind that is the opposite of paranoia. Whereas a person suffering from paranoia feels that persons or entities are conspiring against them, a person experiencing pro Pronoia mm. feels the world around them conspires to do them good. To do them good. Thank you for dumping it down. Oh, wow. Yes. I need that last part. That's a weird crazy. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's like a good crazy. I, you could end up with a girl that has that and be like, I, she's awesome. And then after a while, you're like, oh, no, she's really crazy. Yeah, she's yeah. nuts. Yeah, she's like, I, oh, look at the people outside. Look at them looking. Oh God, look, look at them looking in the window. They're probably like planning a birthday party for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're all out for Those me. Those strangers are planning something nice. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Since the day I was born, I was paranoid, so I'm good. <laughs> All right, that's our little clip from uh, Post Roll Podcast. So check that out on St- on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and um, postrollpodcast.com. And then we also have Cauliflower Corner on there, so we always uh, sh- uh, we always uh, sh- sh- uh, put up a picture of uh, whoever sent in a weird ear, like a messed up cauliflower ear. <laughs> oh, really? You ever seen them? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, and then that's... we. Uh, <laughs> And then we uh, talk about their academy and all that and, get, and let them promote their academy. But, um, but yeah, um, so uh, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to ForMyCar.com. Thank you to um, Old Savannah Tours. I'm based out of Savannah. I'm an A-level, com- uh, B-level comedian living an A-level life at C-level. Awesome. And um, 
Uh, mostly at sea level, and that's where we are right now. We're on a boat. We're on a boat. boat. Come on, we're pro, boat. we're pro-noid about it. We're pro-noid. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so you have had some successes, my man, and uh-huh. one of them was uh, working with this dude that I met uh, years ago that I yep. thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? You started opening for Earthquake. Yeah, Quake, man. Um, <sighs> man. Basically, I had it, the way it worked out was crazy because I had done two shows that he ended up guest hosting for. Um, so do you know, I know, you know, Spike, uh, but yeah. So one of his shows, um, I went and I happened to rip both of them. Like, you know, it just was one of those nights both times. And he was like, okay. Like he basically saw me and like, okay, I like, like what you're doing. And so, um, man, one day somebody was like, we just had a conversation about closed mouths, not getting fed. So I like mustered up my little courage, man, just walked straight up to him and was like, man, hey, Quake, um, you know, I appreciate you, blah, blah, blah. And if you like need an opener um, or what have you, I, I would love to feature for you. And he was like, well, my opener is right there. A guy by the name of Dez, uh, Dez White. And so and I was like, oh, man, my fault, bro. I, I didn't mean to step on your toes. I didn't know. He's like, oh, it's all good. He was like, but shit, like you get the whole spot. And, yeah. uh, and I was like looking at, he was like, yeah, he's like, we'll be in Dallas, uh, next, uh, like I, I can't remember when it was, but then I was like, yeah, you know, I'll be in Dallas too. And you know, cause, <laughs> cause I had friends that, you know, that lived there. You were just going to go there. Yeah. So I just, you're like, yeah, I'm so going to be there now. So he was like, all right, cool. He, so then he tells me, call the club and tell them I'm the host, which never works. Right? Oh, right, right, right. And so I kept calling. They were like. Dude, if Quake wants you to be his host, he He'll needs call. to call us. And because um, they actually had booked James Hanna, who, who's a comic that passed a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't think I ever seen him happy, man. He just was like, <laughs> he just. <laughs> so long story short, I fly to Dallas, stay up, crash in my buddy's house and show up at the improv. And uh, the Quake was like, hey, man, like I told you to call. I was like, I did call. He's like, yeah, but you got to stay. I was like, Quake, I called several times. Yeah. I said, you told me to call. I called. I told you they need you to call. He's like, well, I don't be doing all that. Yeah. And I was like, man, I understand, but I'm here in Dallas. And I just yeah. stood up for myself. Not nice. in a disrespectful way, but he was like, all right. So then basically James Hanna posted. I did a guest spot what? the whole time, guest spots, and he paid me out of his own pocket. Damn. Um, and so then after that, um, he he liked, I guess, how I handled myself. So so then he just started taking me out, taking me out. And so um, at first it was just hosting w- with Dez and, and Dez being the feature and Quake. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I was learning so much, yeah. you know, so much from him. And I was out for about two, three years. Like he just let me just just rock, man. And I just kept wow. quiet, watched, paid attention. Um, and and then it, you know all things end up coming to an end. Yeah. I made a I made a um, an error. I think still to this day. Um, so when I really had because I ended up only featuring like twice, but I was out with him for three years, and I would just make up my money selling DVDs. Mm-hmm. And I I first got Norwegian. Oh yeah. And uh, I did that <laughs> instead of doing, so I could have done Orlando, Tampa, Miami with oh, those him. Those are big markets. Yeah. And I'm like, 
at the time not realizing that it's about, you know, accountability. Also, um, can I depend on you? And I chose the money over working. So I just did Miami. Right. Yeah. And I, I could, I should have going back said no to the date for Norwegian yeah. and just took those dates that I had with Quake. So yeah. just do Tampa, Orlando. So you canceled dates with Quake. Well, I was just like, well, I got this when they hit me up to oh, do those okay, dates. Okay. And so I should have just been like, I should have told them no, because I've been rocking with him for years. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's a loyalty issue, you know? You should have said, look, I got these dates open. Let's do that instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I did those. And so then we go to Miami. Everything's going great, right? I, in fact, it was, you know how this goes. I was out of my merch almost um, by Saturday. Oh, wow. So I was I was doing my thing. And so then the the late show in Miami, the 1030 show, um, started at 12.05. Now, these people were outside in the rain for an hour. Then they came in and they were sitting for an hour. So two hours, these people are pissed. I didn't know. I'm thinking I'm big shot in Miami. I go back to the condo instead of staying at the club to like fill the people. So I come back um, from there and uh, people are cussing the wait staff. They're going off. It was crazy. So I'm like, dang, okay. So the host goes up. He was a hater, man. This dude, like the whole weekend was just. And you were featuring this one? Yeah, I was featuring. Okay. He's just, and so he goes up and does nothing as he was doing the whole weekend. And so I'm like, whatever, he's not been doing anything. Now, Miami's notorious, like, for booing people, right? I had never been booed before. I was in, I'm just like, ah, I'm the man, whatever. So I go in there, and uh, the first joke I tell, a guy in the audience goes, earthquake. Ah, I was like, no. So I tried to act like I didn't hear it. I tried to keep going. Now, mind you, the people in front that have been, serve their drinks they're eating they're having a great time but there's a whole problem bunch of people is are not they're only a third of the crowd the two-thirds are pissed yeah. right so i get three times he says earthquake so i shut him down i was like man if i hear you yell out another dude's name like this is a beyonce concert we're gonna have a problem <laughs> right and people start laughing a little bit so i'm like all right yeah so i'm doing my jokes they are flatlining and these are oh, this no. is stuff that, you know, always works. So I'm like, oh, shoot. So I was like, all right, let me go to the end. Let me start hitting with my closers. Flatlining. Flatline, flatline, flatline. And it was getting to the point. I've never looked for the light. I was like, oh, oh my where, God. What am I getting? Where <laughs> is this? Because he wasn't here yet. Because that's what I had to do. Oh, no. Extra. He's still he back at the, the condo. He's at the no. condo. I was like, oh, my. Now, I guess I could have got off and let the hose handle, but that's not nah, how you man. do it. You're the no. feature. So I was like, oh, where's this light? Oh, no. Man, by the time I got the light, and now I could have got out of there, but the comic in me was like, you stand I'm here. I'm going to win this. No, the comic was like, you stand here and take what's what you deserve. Okay. Which is a boo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I could have just said, all right, guys, thanks. Thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, bam, yeah, some guys do. I've seen that. I could have yeah. done it. But, the, you That's know, my time. I can't do I'm a former athlete. Like, I deserve what I deserve oh, right now. wow. So I stood there. I said, well... <sighs> That didn't go like I planned. And the dude who I shut down, he was like, yeah, nigga, just like I said, earthquake, boo. 
And the whole thing oh, was just no. booing. And oh, I was like, no. oh, my God. And so Quake, <laughs> I get off, and he goes, oh, they got you, player. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so he goes up, does his time. He only did 45 that night because he's like. Well, they were wasted the, They were wasted. Yeah. And so, um, so afterwards, he was like, see? He was like, you learned a lesson tonight. You went up there trying to be cute. He was like. He said, you always have to read your crowd. You know what I mean? I got to learn these jewels yeah. under him. He's like, you always have to read your crowd and know and understand where they're going, this, that, and the other. And he was like, um, and you didn't do that. You thought you can come out. You came the at them kind of hard and be like, yeah. No, no, I just came out the same way I had been coming out. Like, hey, what's up? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, this wasn't that crowd. Yeah. You have to look at the circumstances and see different things. Yeah. He wasn't mad. He just like, no, no. you know, understand what just you're a dealing teachable with. teachable moment. Yeah. And so the next night, the Sunday night, he, he let me do 45. I normally do 25. But it was like a coach being like, all right, get back it. Let me see yeah. what you're going to do. And like, I literally, um, I, I could have stood him. But yeah. I knew my, but I went for every comic that ever got yeah. booed. And it was like, uh -huh. so it felt good to yeah, rebound. wash it off. Yeah, but the, the the problem was, of course, then his uh, his manager heard about, well, which is his daughter. We were already having issues, but it's his daughter. So I, I always was respectful yeah, of that. Yeah. Even though he was like, hey, man, she just deal with her like a, a manager. I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I chose not to do that. And because of that, I ended up not getting on because I, I had I would have I was having dates like I would have been in like in in like yeah. and I didn't and so uh, not to do what uh, go back and forth with her oh. like to fight for myself. Oh, okay, I chose to. I was just like she heard know, about the booing thing and was like, uh, we don't like, need you yeah. anymore. Well, no, she just was like, yeah, we can't have that. This that and the she was t she was talking about stuff as if she understands. What it's like up. to be a con yeah, comic, which which she did not. Yeah, and so I was although like, you know she's been around, she's it, been but around, she did, she's yeah, not up there. So I was like, okay, and I just uh, I had to take that, and um, and then I when I got back in town, I couldn't hang out with Quake because I didn't have the money even to go to the union. Like I like yeah. basically I lost all my luggage and my stuff coming from New York. I lost everything. Really? And one yeah, one flight, man, ruined my life. That's that's Jeez. how you know you're not doing good. Oh, but if and one the, flight can ruin my, your life. And my bag wasn't even if overweight. It wasn't at least I would have felt better if this was like an overweight, you know, 55 pound bag. I'm well, talking 35 pounds, my life was gone. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. What well, I understand, they lost They lost the bag? It, but I was flying standby so they didn't have to compensate me. And I had a lot of, like, all my valuables. It had everything in there. My life was in there. Oh, basically. my gosh. And so I had to, like, I had to buy underwear from the uh, from the alley. You know what oh. I mean? It was cheap <laughs> enough. And um, I never told him that because I, I just never wanted him to think I was another person, like, leaning with on my him. hand out. Leaning on Because I saw that a lot around yeah, him, yeah. like anyone else. And my pride wouldn't allow me to just be like, hey, Quake, I'm not there because of this. And I think he took it as like, well, you know what I mean? You, you ain't really riding for me. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we, we, there's no bad blood. Like if I see, we still yeah, talk yeah, every yeah, once yeah, in a yeah, while, yeah. he hits me up, but I but know that flow wasn't happening yeah, still. There's things that I could have done differently. Um, just being a young comic and not understanding. And so, um, 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I've learned lessons just, you know, even, in, even in the loss. Opening for other comedians is such a weird dynamic it because is, the show's about them for sure. And it has to be. Uh, yep. And then that other comedian, you know, has varying degrees of understanding or empathy for the younger comedian mm -hmm. or the newer guy. And so they, uh, you know, they, they treat it different. Everybody yeah. treats it different, but I've known a lot of guys that have opened for famous right. comics and, and he was great to me. Yeah. Let me just say like, he always took care of me. He always looked out for me, gave me great advice. Um, never, you know, f by the time I was touring with him, he wasn't doing all the stuff he was doing back in the nineties. So I never felt like I had to go do anything mm -hmm. other than be funny. And I would grab mm -hmm. his bags and, you know, just to just show respect, but he was, he was great. It was, and it, and what it did was it boosted my name. Yeah. And, you know, just from touring, everybody's like, oh, and so I was getting on any show. Yeah, that's good. And everything. And even, even around the country, like if I went in, like I didn't, I didn't like using it. Um, and right. a comic one time was like, because I was at the Virginia Beach Funny Bone, and I was like, hey, I'm in from L.A. I just want to get some time on your show. It was one of those one-nighters that, you know, a bunch of sorry comedians, and then the yeah. headliner yeah, who yeah. they have come in who's straight. You know what I mean? some A guy no one knows, but he's funny. Mm -hmm. That's why he's there. But a bunch of horrible comedians. <laughs> and then, so I got, but they weren't going to put me up. And he was like, man, I mean, I don't know you like that. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, look, man, I'm just in town. He was like, for what? I was like, well, I'm in Norfolk with, uh, with Quake. And he was like, you with Earthquake? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, why ain't you lead with that, man? Yeah, come on. You, you know what I mean? I went up and ripped. But it's like, I didn't know how, I honestly didn't know how powerful it was. And I honestly didn't know like I just loved Quake for as a comic. I'm just oh he's hilarious. But didn't you didn't know, know everybody famous, felt I, that. Yeah, I didn't oh, know yeah, yeah, until yeah. we started going around the country oh, man. and everywhere we're going, people are just Quake. Isn't that just like funny? Shouting out. And I was like, Isn't that really? funny? The fame is such a like a perspective thing. It is. Yeah, we were just talking about this on the Jiu Jitsu podcast on Post Roll Podcast that like one of our like our main guy teacher. Uh, is under Pedro Sauer and Pedro Sauer's like I told you about him. Right, right. So he he just knew him as the guy, the teacher at his academy. <laughs> and so they did this seminar. They went and traveled to this, or they had a guy come in for a seminar. His name Edward, Eduardo Tellis. And Eduardo uh -huh. Tellis is kind of a famous guy. He's like, man, I can't wait to see this Eduardo. And everybody was talking about, they can't wait to see Pedro, what Pedro does during the seminar. He's like, Pedro? He's like, what? That's my teacher guy. Like, what are you talking about? Everybody was like all excited. Pedro Sauer's going to be here. He's like, why are yeah, they so no excited idea. about that? Right, yeah, right, yeah, no right. idea. This dude's like way more world famous. Right. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, how it was. It's just a perspective issue. I mean, really, because uh, it's something that's fame is just an agreed upon thing. It's yeah, like currency. Right? Currency, gold is only valuable because we agree it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's yeah, true, yeah. man. That's crazy. Like, I really had the perspective because I'm behind the veil. You know, we're. Uh, Talking about real, his real right. stuff, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, like of course, foot I, fungus and shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm seeing people. I'm like, oh, and so like, yeah, man, it it helped me a lot, man. So I, I'm forever grateful uh, to Quake, man. He doesn't have to do anything else for me. So <laughs> yeah, except keep being funny, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Well, we should do this again. I think. Yeah, you want to do this fun. again this week? I'd Let's love do another to. one. All right. Thank you for being on the uh, Barefoot Comedy Podcast. Go to barefootcomedy.com. Uh, barefootcomedy.com has um, everything you need. Barefoot Comedy Live, which is our live shows, our fundraisers out at Tybee Island, and that's a podcast. And uh, it's stand-up and a podcast. So the podcast game part, the fundraiser, that's all on the podcast. Barefoot Comedy Surf, that's interviews with my surf and skate buddies. That's uh, And then Barefoot Comedy Pro, um, which you could almost do one of those, which is like, uh, it's just high achievers in one way or another. Um, 
um, in one arena of life or what, uh, or another that, um, and, uh, we kind of sort of like in the spirit of uh, Tim Ferriss thing, we kind of deconstruct what they got going and, uh, uh, lower level high achievers, tangible nice. high achievers. <laughs> nice. Got you. I got Yeah. You. So, all right. Thanks for being here for, po- uh, for the, uh, Barefoot Comedy Podcast. Go to barefootcomedy.com. Thank you to our sponsors for my Thank you to, uh, Thank you to Old Savannah Tours. Thank you to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Savannah. And uh, thank you to you. Thank you to you, Aaron Edwards Hall. Thank you. Where do we you. find you? You can find me on social media at AE Comedy on Instagram. Aaron AE Edwards Comedy? Hall. AE Comedy. Man, how'd you get that one? Did you get that in like 1991? <laughs> <laughs> Just my initials. AE Lucky and dog. Comedy. Yep. And uh, that's it, aecomedy.com, everything is there. Comedy, well, aecomedy on Instagram, and my um, website is aaronedwardshall.com. Got it. Right on. Love you, brother. Love you too, man.